Amen. Good morning. Good to see you today. We're glad you're here this morning. And what a true statement that we just sang about. Jesus keeps hope alive and we can have the hope of heaven and the hope of salvation because of Christ and what he's done for us. And not just the hope, but that we can receive salvation. We're glad you're here this morning. We're in a series called David's Diary, and we're looking at uh, studying some different psalms. Uh, David would write psalms, and then a lot of times they would come out of a story or something that happened in his life. And today we're going to be jumping back and forth between uh, what takes place in 1 Samuel 21 and 22. If you have your Bibles, you can go with me there. And then also we're going to look at some reflections that David had that he wrote down regarding what took place in the story in 1 Samuel 21 and 22. So there's, it's like two chapters long. It's a pretty interesting story. And so rather than just uh, typing out all the different scriptures, we're just gonna, I'm going to give you kind of a summary of what takes place, and then we're going to uh, jump on over to the psalm. But what takes place is, uh, last week we talked about David running from Saul, and we find David doing that again in, our, in what we're looking at today. David is on the run from Saul, and David has a friend named Jonathan, and Jonathan's dad happens to be King Saul. But Saul really doesn't like the friendship that Jonathan and David have. And so it gets to the point where Jonathan, it's a, it's a longer story that I won't get into, but Jonathan essentially warns David and says, hey, you need to get out of here. David's trying to kill, or Saul's trying to kill you. And so what takes place is, is that David, after he says that, he runs to a town called Nob or Nob. N-O-B. And there he meets a priest named Ahimelech. Okay, it took me all week to get that right. Ahimelech. Say that with me. Ahimelech. Yeah, what'd you name the baby? It's Ahimelech. Like, oh. So he runs to, the, to, to where this priest is, Ahimelech. And Ahimelech is like, this is kind of weird for you to be here, David. And on top of that, none of your men are with you. What are you doing here? You know, why, why are you here? So he questions David as to why he's alone. Now, um, David is panicked. He's on the run. And as you read the commentaries about the story that we're going to be in, it basically says that David does something out of character because he doesn't want Ahimelech to tell Saul. He doesn't want to get caught. So he makes up a lie. He tells a story. He tells uh, Ahimelech, the priest, he says, I'm here uh, because Saul has ordered me to be here on his orders. And uh, so he basically tells him that. And then he says, listen, there's a couple things I need. I need uh, some food and I need a sword. Now, Ahimelech, believing that David is there on Saul's orders, which he isn't, but Ahimelech makes that assumption. Because he's, you know, there on the king's orders, he thinks that he's honoring Saul. And so he grants what David wants. He looks around and he says, we don't really have any food, man. All we have is communion bread or holy bread, or other versions says consecrated bread. And they have a dialogue back and forth about that. But eventually, Ahimelech gives him food. And he also says, listen, I need, I need some supplies. I need a sword. And so uh, David, or Ahimelech says, well, we don't really have anything. I mean, the only thing that I got here is Goliath's sword. You remember Goliath's sword. It was on him when you killed him. And David's like, hey, that's perfect. I'll take that. And he says, well, it's behind the ephod there, which was a piece of clothing. Grab that. You can have that. And so David takes the sword. He, he takes the food. And while he's there, there's uh, Saul's chief, chief herdsman, who is 
named Doag, D-O-E-G, Doag. Say that with me, Doag. And Doag is actually, he's an Edomite. He's working for Israel. In fact, Scripture says that Doag was a detained servant of God, which simply means that he was there. It doesn't say exactly why, but he's not really an Israelite um, by, by his genetics, but he's a detained servant for the Lord. And Scripture says that Doag, who's Saul's chief herdsman, happens to be there, and he's observing this conversation, and he's observing Ahimelech helping David. So file that away as we get through this story. So David leaves, and he goes on the run. In fact, he runs to another place, and, and he begins to try to talk to that king about uh, you know, a place to hide, or, or Scripture doesn't say exactly why he's there. But the men recognize him, you know, some of the men, and they're like, hey, Saul's killed his thousands, and David's killed his ten thousand, ten thousands, and and David begins to realize this really isn't a safe place to be, and he's worried that they're not going to allow him to, um, you know, to go free. So Scripture says David just starts acting crazy, drooling down his beard and acting nuts. You can read the story if you'd like to, just trying to, you know, he's pleading insanity, so to speak. And David gets away, he runs, he hides in a cave, and so he's there. His family eventually comes and, and is a part of that. And eventually, there's a prophet named Gad, G-A-D, Gad, say that with me, Gad, right? It's not from the movie in the 80s, uh, but no, it's his name, G-A-D, a prophet named Gad. He comes to, uh, to David and he says, hey, you need to come back to Judah, and so eventually David makes his way back to Judah and somehow word gets back to Saul that David's coming back to Judah. Now Saul, remember, Saul's been trying to find uh, David to kill him. And so Saul starts self-loathing, okay? How many of you ever self-loathed before? All right, or at least in your head, for those who don't want to raise your hand, yeah. How many of you know somebody that self-loathed before? That's a safer, anybody? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Saul starts self-loathing and he starts thinking about the pact that Jonathan and David had together. And he feels like they're conspiring against him. So he starts whining and he starts complaining and he starts this conspiracy theory and it's playing out all in front of Saul's men who, who are there. And he starts just whining and complaining and saying, you know what, I think you guys are all conspiring against me on behalf of David, this pact that you made. And remember, I said earlier that Doag had watched David and Ahimelech have this conversation and, and Ahimelech helped David. And so uh, Doag, who wants to climb the corporate ladder, if you will, wants to kind of move up in status, wanting to try to find a way to advance in Saul's army, Doag says, kind of like a soap opera, you know, I don't want to be a drama queen or anything. I don't want to stir the pot. But I saw your priest, Ahimelech, helping David. Just drop that bomb right there now. Let's play that out. And Saul, you know, you know how you can, some of you know how to get somebody in your family going, right? Or maybe somebody knows how to get you going, all right? Doag drops that bomb on Saul, and Saul is furious. And, and what's interesting is, is Doag told the truth that, that Ahimelech had helped David, but he fails to mention that Ahimelech is completely innocent in this whole thing because he thinks he's acting on behalf of your good wishes. It's funny how people tell half-truths sometimes, isn't it? 
They tell just enough truth that they can call it truth, but not the whole truth, and it has devastating consequences. So Saul says, hey, bring Ahimelech, bring his family, bring you know, everyone involved. So 85 priests were a part of, of Ahimelech's family. They all make their way to King Saul. Now Ahimelech, he ain't sweating it because he know he didn't, he didn't do anything wrong. So Saul starts in on him. I mean, he just starts in on him, calling him all kinds of things. And so uh, eventually, um, my Ahimelech, he based lots of things to this story. But basically, Ahimelech just looks at him and says, look, I don't know why you're putting David down. David's trying to do your business. He's loyal to you. You know, he's doing what you're asking. And by the way, my, me and my family, we didn't do anything wrong. So I don't know what you're talking about. And so anyway, what ends up happening is, is that Saul accuses him of conspiring against David, and he orders that Ahimelech be killed. And so basically, uh, Saul looks at his officers, and he says to them, hey, I want you to kill Ahimelech for what he's done. And all of his officers look at him, and they go, we ain't killing him. He's God's anointed. We're not doing it. So Saul's kind of at a loss. Now Doag, remember Doag, he wants to climb the corporate ladder. And so Doag looks at him and says, I'll do it. So Doag kills Ahimelech. Doag kills his family. Doag kills, that day, Scripture says, 85 priests in all. Can you imagine that? 85 priests in all. I had all these, this on here in case I forgot the story. But essentially, he kills 85 priests in all. And, and not only does he do that, but he ends up going even farther. He goes to Nob, the town of Nob, and he, and he finds more priests, families, men and women, children and babies. Let's read it. And all the cattle, donkeys, sheep, and goats. I mean, this guy goes after after Ahimelech. And what's interesting is a bunch of people died because a couple people lied. Actually, one person lied and one person told a half-truth. And Ahimelech, who's the innocent person in all of this, is caught in the middle. Now, a little bit of the rest of the story. Some of you remember Paul Harvey. He would always say the rest of the story. Well, what happens is, is that as a, as a um, Doag goes back to Nob to kill everybody else. One of Ahimelech, who was the priest, one of his sons escapes and runs to David. And he explains what, what's happened here. And uh, here's what happens. Only Abathar, one of the sons of Ahimelech, appeared and fled to David. He tells David what happened. And David says in verse 22 and 23 of, of chapter 22, he says, I knew it. When I saw Doag the Edomite there that day, I knew he was sure to tell Saul. Let's read those yellow words. I have caused the death of all your families, all your father's family. Imagine that. He says, stay here with me and don't be afraid. I will protect you with my own life for the same person wants to kill us both. So you can imagine what we see here in this story. Um, and out of that story that I just told you in fast forward, out of that story, David writes Psalm 52. 
Now, some of you, maybe not very, not, I would say probably for every 10 people, maybe one or two, I could be wrong, but one or two people journal. And David, a lot of the Psalms are just David's diary, like our series talks about. He was writing and he was, he was proclaiming and he was sharing what was going on in his mind and his heart. And he starts to write out his frustrations and his anger over this whole situation. And here's what he says in Psalm 52. He's kind of writing it towards Doeg. Why do you boast about your crimes, great warrior? Don't you realize that God's justice continues forever? All day long you plot destruction. Your tongue cuts like a sharp razor. You're an expert at telling what? Lies, which is kind of hard for me to hear because David lies also. But here's what he says at telling lies. You love evil more than good and lies more than truth. You love to destroy others with your what? Words, you liar. But God will strike you down once and for all. He will pull you from your home and uproot you from the land of the living. The righteous will see it and be amazed. They will laugh and say, look at what happens to mighty warriors who do not trust in God. They trust their wealth instead and grow more and more bold in their wickedness. But I am like an olive tree thriving in the house of God. I will always trust in God's unfailing love. I will praise you forever, O God, for what you have done. I will trust in your good name. And let's, let's read it together. In the presence of your faithful people. So this morning, there's a couple of some things that we can learn from this story. They may be things that we already know, but maybe we need to be reminded of today. But the truth is, is that lies and deception displease God. Say that with me. Lies and deception displease God. Um, we see that taking place. As I mentioned earlier, I would say not everybody. Some of us struggle with lying. I've shared many times, if you've been around the church before, I was a Christian. That was something that I struggled with. And the Lord completely cut that out of my life when I gave my life to Christ. But most of us probably don't. I'm making a big assumption, I realize. Lying all the time may not be a thing, but one of the things that's just as impactful is deception. Is saying just enough truth, but not the whole truth. And we see that with Doag. He, he actually tells Saul truthful things. Ahimelech and David were together. Ahimelech helped David. Both those things are true. But he failed to leave out, he failed to say the most important thing, which is, Ahimelech was told by David that he, was the, that he came on your orders. Ahimelech was trying to honor you by, by helping David. That one piece being left out is deceiving and it caused a huge issue. Listen to what Paul writes in Colossians chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. Don't lie to each other. For you've stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Deeds, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. The primary reason why we don't lie, and this is, you could tell children this, teenagers, adults, it's something that we cover every once in a while, is it goes against the nature of God. And our, as we, if you're a follower of Christ, if you are seeking to follow Christ, teenagers in here, Adults, children, if you're in here, people that are watching online, if we are followers of Christ, we follow his ways. 
And the main way that, that we're able to, to become a Christian, the only way, is to accept Jesus into our heart, and he gives us his Holy Spirit. And once the Holy Spirit's inside of us, it teaches us, it rebukes us, it, and it begins to put the fruit of the Spirit inside of us. And nowhere in Scripture will you find lying and deceiving as a fruit of the Spirit. Because it goes against the very nature of God. Here's another Scripture we find, and it's one of the Ten Commandments. Let's read it. You shall not testify falsely against your neighbor. Now, technically, Doeg didn't say anything untrue, but he left out extremely important information. And in doing so, he technically was testifying falsely against Ahimelech. Lies and deception displease God. But I, I want to give us uh, some good news today. If, if you have lied or you have deceived or, or you're saying things that aren't true, God wants to give you the opportunity today to make that right. In fact, we see David who um, had told this lie. And we know in another part, David had had an affair with Bathsheba. But aren't you glad for repentance? Because David was able to repent and to move past that. And David feels remorse, and he's grieved over what has taken place. And so today, Jesus died so that we could repent. Amen? Amen. And so that we could um, move past our sin. Here's the other thing we know. Lies and deception, they displease God. But the truth is, lies and deception always have a ripple effect. Say that with me. Lies and deception always leave a ripple effect. And this morning, while we can be forgiven for our sins, in fact, the Bible tells us when Christ forgives us, he casts it as far as the east is from the west. But while he forgives us of our sin, the consequences are still there, aren't they? In other words, God may have forgiven David, but those priests didn't come back to life. They'd still, they're still gone. Lies and deception always leave a ripple effect. King Saul's jealousy... David's lie and Doag's ambition led to a ripple effect of destruction for Ahimelech and all of his family. You talk about things going wrong in life sometimes. I mean, as I mentioned earlier, a bunch of people died because a couple people lied. You know, the little things matter as much as the big things do. Hopefully we teach our kids to practice doing the right thing when no one's looking, right? And hopefully we're willing to tell the truth with the little things, not just the big things. Hopefully we're willing to do that. That's what scripture calls us to do. Here's another thing we learned from this story. It's God's place to take what's wrong and make it right. Say that with me. It is God's place to take what's wrong and make it right. Man, sometimes we feel like, you know what, I think God needs a little help. You know, I don't feel like that they're getting their just due. So I'm going to post this on social media so, so you know, people know. Or I, I'm just going to be really nasty towards them so they really feel extra bad about, you know, what, what took place. Or, man, I just... My emotions are more important to me than trusting in God, so I'm just going to do this over here. There is a lot of people in jail today because they followed their emotions. 
Church, it is God's place to take what's wrong and make it right. Listen to this. Paul writes in Ro- to Romans, don't, dear friends, never take what? Never take revenge. Let's read those yellow words. Leave that to the righteous. God's going to take care of it. He's going to make it right. It may be in this life. You may see it play out. You might get a front row seat and watch it play out, or, or it's going to happen in the next life. But God's going to make what's wrong right. But at the same time, God offers forgiveness to those people and, and allows repentance to take place if they're willing to do that. Listen to this. Instead, going back here, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, what are we supposed to do? Feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you. Let's read it. But conquer evil by doing good. That's a good word today, huh? So here's the big takeaway today. Let Jesus shape your character rather than your situation shaping your character. That's a truth today. That's, a, that's straight out of, the, out of Scripture day. It's not a 45-minute sermon today, but it's packed full of truth this morning. That's what we got today. Let Jesus shape your character rather than your situation shaping your character. David, in that moment, he let, he let his situation shape his character. I'm on the run. It'd be a lot easier. Hey, listen, man, Saul sent me. That way you'll quit questioning me. Doag let the situation, you know, if he didn't know that David and Himelech are going to do something. They're going to have this conversation. But now it's happened. And rather than letting it go, he uses it for himself and then leaves out important information. His situation was he wanted to climb the ladder. He didn't care about Ahimelech. He didn't care about David. He wanted to do what he wanted to do. And rather than letting God shape his character, he let his situation shape his character. Now let me ask you and I this today. Are we letting Christ shape our character? Or the moment that we're in decide how we're going to act? As our band comes up this morning, you know, Psalm 139 says that David actually says, search my heart, O God. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. All of us sometimes may do like a virus check on our computer where we scan to see if there's any viruses. What would happen today? What would happen today if we would do that today for a minute? In fact, if you don't mind, let's stand together this morning. And what would happen if we just did that? So if you're a teenager, you're a child, you're an adult, what if you just said, Lord, what parts of my character do do you need me to work on? What parts of my character, Lord, do you want to work on? And what would happen if we not only asked that question, but we listened for God's response, and if he gave us a response, We are obedient to whatever he was asking today. Lord Jesus, today we thank you for who you are. We thank you, Lord, that honesty is a part of who you are. We thank you for repentance. 
We thank you for the willingness, Lord, to start new. And Father, maybe there are some in here today that need your grace because they've lied or they've told a half-truth and it's had consequences. Or maybe they're in the midst of doing those things now and you want to you just stop them in their tracks this morning and simply say to them, hey, that's not, that's not of you. And Father, if that's the case, would you give them the courage to do the right thing? And Father, for those who are people of honesty and integrity, Lord, would you just confirm in their spirit today that they're doing what you've called them to do. Father, we thank you for this simple truth today be people that tell the truth, that live the truth out. We give you praise in Jesus' powerful name. All God's people said, amen. Let's worship.